Amen. Our God is an awesome God. Good evening, brothers and sisters. Glad to be here this evening again to be able to bring God's word and that we can look at God's word together and understand how awesome he truly is. I want you to know that we have people who who have it and who know about things. You know, when I was coming in this evening, ML and Emma Martin came in and I was talking to Emma, I said, good to see you this evening, Emma. She said, it's good to see you, Mark. And then she said, our God is an awesome God. And I said, Emma, you're a prophet. You know what I'm talking about tonight. Okay. Truly, our God is an awesome God who deserves all honor, deserves all glory, deserves and understands that he is the all powerful, all knowing. And he knows what's best for us and loves us with an unconditional love above all things. What an awesome God that we have. What an awesome God that we need to remember that we have. And the song that we just sang with wisdom and power, our God is an awesome God. And really that ties in good with what we want to think about tonight when we think about the awesome God that we serve. The awesome God that has planned something for us before time began. The awesome God who says, I love you. The awesome God who says, I'll send my son for you. And the awesome God who says, I'm going to be with you when you're going through your struggles. What an awesome God that we serve. What, as we go through every day of our lives, say, God, our God is an awesome God who deserves all praise. Why does he deserve all praise? And why is our God an awesome God? And I want us to look at what God has done for us. And remember, as we talked this morning, I want us to engage in the Bible as we read it. And we want to bring it down to who we are and how we can look at it and see what that has to do with us. And if we open our Bibles tonight, the very first thing that I want you to understand, why our God is an awesome God, because God's great promise he has made to you. God's great promise to you. In Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, reads as this. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. The very first thing that I want us to see that Paul is declaring about our awesome God, he declares that Jesus was the revelation that was to be revealed. He is the answer to the gospel message of the good news that was coming, that what we talked about this morning. And as we've been studying in our classes on Sunday mornings, talking about the life of Christ, last quarter, seeing all of the prophecies and seeing all of these people talking about God and God is seeing from Genesis three fifteen when God first promises that Jesus is going to come all the way through Micah and all the prophets and through all the law and all of those things coming together, understanding from first Peter chapter one, he says concerning the prophets, they examined the times and the places when all of those things were going to happen. So that they would understand when the Messiah was to come, the suffering he would go through, and the glory that would follow. And he says, we have the privilege to know that that is Jesus. And he said, even the angels long to look into these things. God has promised a plan for us and he has declared that the answer to the gospel message, the answer to the good news is Jesus Christ. 
Our God is an awesome God because he makes Jesus our Lord and he makes Jesus our Savior because God is faithful to his promises. God had promised Abraham that he would have many descendants and he would bless not only one nation, but bless all nations. God had promised to David, somebody from your line will be on a throne that will last forever. And God's promises to all the other prophets. And in fact, when Jesus was coming here on the earth, many would ask John the Baptist while he was here, are you the prophet that was to come? Are you the Messiah? And he says, no, but one is coming. And as he sees Jesus walking along, as Jesus is going there and he sees him and he says to his disciples, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And Jesus was baptized. And God declares him his son. The promise that the son, the promise that the Messiah was coming, fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And that God's great promise of that servant that would come, of that Messiah that was to come, was made for us, yes, but for you, Donna Mays. God's great promise was made for you, Jade. God's great promise was made for each and every one of us. Our God is an awesome God because when he knew that we were going to sin, even before he created us, he had a plan to bring us back, to reconcile us to him through his son, Jesus. And that promise he made, imagine how he was faithful to that promise. Imagine when he had to send his son here to the earth and he sent his son here to this earth because of the promise that he had made. And as we see here in this, we can have and understand that as it says here, Jesus was declared the son of God with power from his resurrection from the dead. When Jesus raised from the dead, just as we said this morning in Romans, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the fact that Jesus raised from the dead is God's promise to us that those of us who are in Christ Jesus will raise from the dead and be with him forever. Amen. God's promise for us before time began. God's promise to us that a savior was born. God's promise to us that Jesus would die on the cross, would be buried and raised again on the third day. And God's promise to all of us today who are in faith, faith in Christ Jesus, believing who he is, have the promise that Jesus, as he said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. If you want to know the father, you have to look to me because the words that I say are not my own, but the words of my father who is in heaven. And I want to be with the Lord, our God, forever. And God has made a promise to us that as we continue to remember that our God is an awesome God because of what he has already done. But our God is an awesome God because of what he is going to do when Jesus comes back to take us home for eternity. What an awesome thought, thought that we can think of. That Jesus was declared the son of God with power. And because he has that power, the promises he made to us to be going to the father, we can believe in. We can take confidence in. We can believe it with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength that Jesus did indeed raise from the dead. 
A lot of times people say, we can't verify that Jesus rose from the dead. A lot of people will say, ah, somebody could have gotten him. Somebody could have taken him. But if we look at just the facts for just a moment, his disciples, were they going to be able to take him? No, the Roman soldiers were put there to keep them from taking him. The Pharisees said, oh man, if they steal him, they're going to be saying that he rose from the dead. Go put some troops there. And so they go put a legion, they go put troops there for them, send out a guard to watch the tomb. The Pharisees, would they want to steal them? No, they want to wait for the fourth day. We heard the prophecy that he's going to raise on the third day. Fourth day comes, let's open that up and look, there he is. He did not raise from the dead. The Sadducees, would they want to get him? No, they don't even believe in the resurrection. They would say, look on the fourth day, boom, there he is. The Roman guard, would they want to steal him and, and take something with him? No, because they don't understand if they did anything with him, they would die by the sword. Robbers? No. Why? It's guarded. Grave robbers guarded by the guard of the Roman soldiers. So it only leads us to one conclusion. That went on the first day of the, uh, uh, <clears throat> when, they, when the women went there on the first day of the week. And went to that tomb and saw it empty. Jesus had truly risen from the dead. The guards were scared. They made a deal with the Pharisees. Pharisees, you say this. We, everybody's wanting to keep sure that nobody gets in trouble. So we'll take care of each other. As it says in the gospel. But the fact is, Jesus rose from the dead. That's the promise God made. And he fulfilled his promise when Jesus rose from the dead and Jesus is coming. God has planned and made a promise to you from eternity to eternity in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So don't forget, yes, God was thinking of you even before time began and thinking of the opportunity for you to have to have life eternal with him. It says in God's word in Ezekiel chapter 18 that God does not take joy in the death of anyone. And God's desire is that all would repent and come to life in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But not only do we have God's great promise to us and to you of our God being this awesome God who completes his promises, who fulfills his promises. But we have a God who is a great God and our God's great call for you. You know what? One of the greatest things we learned this morning in our Bible class, and I know we're all in different places as we're looking through the life of Christ. But we saw in John chapter two this morning, as Jesus begins to call his disciples, disciples first hear of him and said, hey, I want to know more about you. And Jesus says, come and see. The next day, Jesus sees Philip and he says, follow me. Philip then goes in, or Andrew, first of all, Andrew will go tell Peter, Peter, we found the Messiah, the Lord, the King of Israel. Come and see, look. Philip founds the Lord. Jesus says, follow me. Then Philip goes to Nathaniel and says, hey, we have found the Messiah. You need to come from him. It's Jesus from Nazareth. And Nathaniel will say, what good can come from Nazareth? Anything good can come from there? And as he's walking along up to there, Nathaniel sees Jesus and Jesus says, oh man, here's a true Israelite. There is no deceit in him. And he says, how do you know me? Nathaniel's more or less like, you are the son of God. And then Jesus said to Nathaniel, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree over there. 
I want us to think about it. Jesus sees people where they are. And Jesus' greatest desire is to call them to him. And Jesus, God used, as we see at the beginning here, Philip, Andrew, and others to call others to come and see. Jesus is calling us to follow him. God has made a great call for you, has given you a calling in your life. Look at what he says here in Romans chapter 1, verse 5 and 6 for us to understand this. What God's great call is for us. It says, through him, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, through our God, we have received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Christ. And God's great call for us as being the awesome God that he is. The very first thing that Paul says is through him, we have received grace. Christmas time. Maybe you received a present. We've we've received the greatest present that can ever be given. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul will say in Corinthians, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. First Peter will say that we have an inexpressible joy. Because of who Jesus is. And here in these verses here, the very first thing that we understand, what we have received, because God has has promised to us, and God is calling us through the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, he is calling us to receive the grace and mercy that we so much desire and look for. I don't know about you, when I think of things that I've done in the past, and you think about things that you have done in your past, perhaps, and Those things that may bring guilt in your life until today, those things that stay there, and to know that I can give my life to the Lord, and all of those things that bring all of that guilt on me are broken in Christ Jesus our Lord. And just as Paul said this morning, by the grace of God, I am who I am. We can say this evening, by the grace of God, by the gospel of God who has called us through his grace, we have received forgiveness of sins. Brothers and sisters, don't ever forget that the call of the gospel is a call for you to receive the forgiveness of your sins. The call of the gospel is also for us to do the work that God has given for each and every one of us. In these verses also, he says, through him we receive grace. We receive the present. And Paul says about him and those who were apostles and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to obedience that comes from faith. When he says this, that they received apostleship means that they received a mission. And you know what one of the greatest things is? God calls us all to mission. Wherever it may be, at home, with our family, in the community, overseas, no matter where it is, we have the opportunity to be missionaries. Missionaries, why? Because we understand that God has a call for others. We understand the good news of Jesus. We understand the great promise that has been made to us and that has been made to others. And we want to share and extend that promise And show them how God can fulfill that promise in their lives. And not only fulfill that promise in their lives, but as it says, God calls us to it. Don't ever think that God's not calling you to follow him. Don't ever think that God doesn't want you to answer his call. He wants you to. 
And Isaiah, when he's talking about this and the idea of mission and the idea of purpose, when Isaiah, God is calling among the people of Isaiah, who will go for me? Who will I send? At first, nobody said anything. Everybody kept quiet. Why? Just like Isaiah, I believe it's the way we would feel before the Lord. I am sinful. I don't deserve. Not only am I sinful, Lord, but my people are sinful people, Lord. And then at that very moment, Isaiah has that vision of Jesus there in his glory. And then also the angels bring the tongues there and it says, you have been forgiven, touches his lips and says, you have been forgiven. And after that happens and he understands that forgiveness, when God says, whom shall I send? Who will go? Isaiah says, here I am, send me. So God is saying to us in his call, in his call for us, in our purpose for our lives, here we are, Lord, send us where you want us. Here I am, Lord, send me to the place where you need me. Send me to the school where I teach. Send me to the school where I'm a student. Send me to the workplace where I work, Lord, and put me in a position where I can talk to others about Christ. So that they can understand that the call that I have received, that they can receive also as well. I remember for me, as I was talking about in my own life, when I understood God's call for me, when I understood that God said, hey, I've made promises for you. I have something better for you in your life. But you need to answer that call. Answer the call that God is making to you through a friend, through a worker, through somebody who has the knowledge of Christ and be that for those who are searching, those who are looking. And you know what? One of the greatest things is it says here, he says, through him, we receive grace. We receive the present, the apostleship, the call. We received a mission. We received a purpose. In that call, we have a purpose. And not only do we have that purpose, as it says, go and make disciples of all nations. Also, it says here, apostleship to call all the Gentiles to obedience that comes through faith for his name's sake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. The greatest thing about God's call is he's wanting to say to you and say to me. You belong. You belong with me. People have that that sense of belonging. Need that, right? I want to belong to something. And sometimes we feel isolated. Sometimes we may feel if we're, uh, you know, our personalities are different. Lots of times we may feel alone and don't have a sense of belonging. And God is saying, no, you belong. You belong to a great cause. You belong to a great family. And you belong to an awesome God. Don't ever think that God doesn't want you to be with him. He wants you. Not only to be with him, but to understand that you have that sense of belonging. That yes, I loved you so much that I sent my son for you. So that you may have purpose. And that you may have life. And that you may answer the call that the Lord has given you. And you know one of the greatest things about all of this when we understand that. Our God is an awesome. I'm not going to sing. You don't have to sing right now, okay? Is an awesome God. He reigns with wisdom and power. Power 
because he is God Almighty. Power because Jesus is declared the Son of God with power. With wisdom and power. God is wise. God's wisdom is to establish you. I don't know about you, and one of the good things about having a sense of belonging and belonging to something, it kind of helps you to understand your purpose. It kind of understands you, it helps you to understand your cause. You know, a lot of times, uh, you know, to understand the importance that we have to need each other. No longer can we say the eye doesn't need the ear, or no longer can the, the, no say I'm much better than the foot. We all need each other, we all need each part, each part doing its part. And praise God, he didn't make us all the same. He says, you're all different. I'm different. Hey, it's not, not a bad thing to be different. Okay? It's not bad. When I went to the doctor about my feet this last year, he says, I want you to know I like to take the cases that are different. The cases that are crazy. And I said, I hope I'm crazy and I hope I'm different enough for you. And God's saying, you're different. And you have a belonging and a place in the kingdom of God. Use your talents. To be a blessing to others because you serve an awesome God. But God's plan and God's wisdom, he wants to establish you. I don't know about you. Any of us ever get anxious? Running around. What's going to happen? What am I going to do? What's going to happen? We, you know, all of these different things that happen and going on in our lives every day. Things happen in our family. Things happen in our family. Things happen in our jobs and all these things. All these things that try to keep us and keep us going crazy in the head and thinking, where am I going to do it? What am I going to do? How are we going to make it through this and all these things? And it says here in Romans chapter 16, verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long long ages past but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal god so that all gentiles may come to the obedience that comes from faith to the only wise god be glory forever through jesus christ amen look what he says god's wisdom to establish you through his glory is because he can establish us through his gospel That's why it says this morning, in the gospel, you take your stand. In the gospel, you keep your spiritual fervor. In the gospel, you continue with the hope that you have in Christ Jesus our Lord. And look what he says, him who is able to establish you. How can we be confident that God knows how to establish us? God makes promises and he has fulfilled them and he will fulfill them. We can be certain that God, the things that he establishes are true and will be true until the end. Jesus is coming to take us home. God is calling people from all places and all nations, in every city, in every county, every day, so that they may have the, understand the mystery that has been revealed to us. And God is wanting to establish you and establish us. Lord God, you know, it's kind of like when Jesus was talking about it. On the Sermon on the Mount. They had the wise and the foolish builders. Some built their house along the sand. Some built their house upon the rock. When the storms came, the wind came, the lightning came, and all those things came. Those that built their house upon the sand had, boom, lost it. But those who had put their house on the rock stood And I don't, what I want us to understand for you tonight and for me also, we want you to stand. We want you 
And I want you to understand this. As it says in Psalms, the psalmist would say, Lord God, I have seen hard times with my own eyes. You have taken me through hard times, Lord. But I know that through your power, you have something better for me. Through your power, I may increase from this. I may grow from this. But Lord God, above all, even in my anxieties and everything that I'm going through, Lord God, now that the storms are coming, now that the woo, I don't know it, I can't handle it's coming in my life. Lord God, I can bring those to you and you can establish me. God, may I build my house upon the rock, Jesus Christ. May I build my house upon the rock. Your word. May I build my house upon the rock because you are an awesome God who makes awesome promises. And on you, Lord, hinges all things. When he talks about the mystery that has been revealed, God has revealed it for one time for all times. And God says it is the church's responsibility to reveal this mystery to the nations, to the world. Colossians and Ephesians talks intensely about this idea of the mystery being revealed of what we have in Christ Jesus, our Lord and understanding that everything hinges on our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ. I want you to understand brothers and sisters tonight. God is wise. That's why we seek wisdom from him. James one says, whoever lacks wisdom, ask of God and he will give generously. Praise God. We have a God that we can ask and he gives generously. So, yes, God is the only God. You know what? I don't have to worry about searching and looking for any other God. For I know and understand whom I believed and believe in him. Brothers and sisters, this night, this evening, don't forget that our God is an awesome God. I know we sang it earlier, boy. Can we put it back on the screen again? And we'll sing it. And then I'll do an invitation. I want us to understand this evening, brothers and sisters, as we get ready to sing our invitation song. Our God is an awesome God because he has made great promises that he has fulfilled and promises yet to be fulfilled that we know will happen in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God is calling you tonight to have a relationship with him. If you do not have a relationship with him, he is calling you to obedience through faith in the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And God wants to give us and establish us in his wisdom this evening. If you need to be established and say, Lord, I need your wisdom. I need the wisdom of my brothers and sisters in Christ who are following you. And you need our prayers. We want to pray for you tonight as well. Jesus is only a step away this evening for you. Come as we stand and sing. We hope by listening to this lesson, you have found a better understanding of the Bible. And through that better understanding, find a closer relationship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ, our living Savior. If you have any questions or desire more information, please feel free to contact us here at the Dangerfield, Texas Church of Christ. You can find us at dfield.org. That's D-F-I-E-L-D-C-O-C dot O-R-G. Or you can email at dfieldcoc779 at aol.com. Or you can call us at 903-645-2896. If you are local to the Dangerfield area, we would love an opportunity to meet you and encourage you in person.
at 818 West W.M. Watson Boulevard, Dangerfield, Texas, 75638. Her meeting times are Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for Bible class and 10.30 a.m. for worship service, Sunday evening at 6 p.m. for worship service, and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. for our midweek Bible class. Grace and peace be with you always.